The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Jesus do, W-D-J-D, what did Jesus do? Where we're looking at the life of Jesus and some of the specific uh, encounters and actions of the life of Jesus, what he did. Because one of the great things we have through the life of Jesus is we have a life we can look at as an example of how we are to live our life. If you know anything about New Song Church, you know our vision is we want to help people know God and we, we do that by helping them begin to know God and then practice the way of Jesus. And you can't practice the way of Jesus if you don't know the way of Jesus. And so we're looking at some of the ways Jesus dealt with certain things, dealt certain issues, certain people, so that we can grow in our knowledge of him and reflect his image in this world and bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so today, as we look at this next topic Uh, We're going to talk today about how do I deal with difficult people? How do I deal with difficult people? And I see it happening. It's happened in every service. I say that, and there are people that look to the person beside them like, this is for you. Some of you maybe even threw a little elbow just now. Just so you know, I'm talking to you, all right? In fact, I'm talking to everybody because how many of you know we're all a little difficult, like we're all difficult. We all have our issues. We all have our, our stuff that makes us difficult. I get it. I'm difficult. I can be a difficult person. I can be annoying. I know this because my family will let me know from time to time that I'm being a little annoying. Like I can, I, do you ever catch yourself being annoying? Like you're alone in the car driving down the road and you're doing something. You're like, I'm annoying myself right now. Anybody else relate to this? Like I do that. I'll be like, what am I doing right now? Just making a noise or something? I don't know. The other night, uh, I was at home, and uh, we, were, we were hanging out with the kids. I had a good day, you know, so I'm kind of bopping around the kitchen, just kind of excited, like that's me talking to the kids, asking about their day, and my son looks at me, and he says, Dad, you're being, like, annoyingly excited right now. Would you calm down? Like, being annoying. Anybody else get annoying from time to time? I can be annoying. Uh, I have an opinion. I have a strong opinion, and I believe in my opinion. Anybody else relate to this? And if you don't have the same opinion as me, you're wrong, is how I see it a lot of times. And so I can be opinionative based on that. I can have my strong opinion. I can, I can be obnoxious with that. I can be touchy. I can be, like we all can be, we all can be difficult. If you, if you think you ain't difficult, guess what? You're just being difficult. We're all difficult. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm difficult. I get it. We're all difficult. In fact, real quick, let me, let me talk about six kind of categories of different people. Because I think we come to a message like this a lot of times, and what we do is we start going, okay, this is good, because i got difficult people around me, and i got to deal with them. But also, listen, this isn't just about the people around you. This is about you. You're difficult too. we got to deal with us. Because uh, really, the reality is so many of the difficult issues that we face in our life, there, there's a common denominator, is you. Like a lot of your problems are because you are a part of the equation. We're difficult people. And so I'm going to kind of talk about these six different kinds of difficult people. And you may find, you know, that some of this relates to the people around you, but some of this is going to relate to you. There's, there's these six different people. There's the demanding person. You know the demanding person. This is the, the little dictator, 
This is the person that wants to dominate every conversation. They're going to tell you what they think, why they think it. They're going to push you around, kind of push their will upon you. That's the, the demanding person. There's the disapproving person. You know this person. They're the person that's like, it's never good enough. No matter what you do, they're always going to find a problem with it. They're always going to find an issue with it. They're always going to let you know what you could have done better. Uh, they're, the, they're the disappointing person. There's the deafening person. The deafening person isn't just like that, it's that they're loud. It's that like they, they won't stop talking. You know this person? They love to talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they will talk. And you can like, you're on the phone with them. You can put the phone down, walk away put the kids to bed, re-shingle the roof. They had no idea you were gone. They just love to talk. And when you're talking to them, they're talking. And, and if you ever get in a word, you just feel like they're just waiting for you to shut up so they can start talking again. It's a deafening person. We know this person. It can be difficult. There's a destructive person. This is that person that has a temper. They get mad. They fly off the handle, right? They're like little volcanoes. And, you know, a volcano, it shoots out lava. And that lava does damage and it changes the atmosphere of the world around it. We got the destructive people in our world. There's the delicate person, the delicate person. This is a person that is like walk, you're walking on eggshells when you're with them. You know, you got to watch what you say, watch what you do, watch how you look at them. If you don't look at them, you know, they're like the person that'll pull you aside and be like, Hey, something, something going on. I, I don't think so. I'm well, you know, I, you didn't look at me the other day in the lobby. I didn't see you. <laughs> it's a delicate person. You got to be really careful. There's the, the demeaning person. They're going to like knock you off your pedestal. They want to kind of push you down. They're smart mouths. They can be rude. They can be sarcastic. How many of you relate to some of these people? In there? Not a whole lot of hand. No, I ain't me. I don't know. I'm not difficult. That's somebody else. We all have a little bit of some of this in us. And so what did Jesus do? What did he do when he dealt with difficult people? Because here's the thing is, I was thinking about this this week, related to the life of Jesus. Jesus is the only person who's ever lived who dealt with difficult people and himself wasn't difficult. Like he wasn't difficult. And yet, yet, think about this. People around him would have said, he's just being difficult. The Pharisees at times would have said, that guy's just being difficult. His family at times would have said, this is, this, you're being difficult. His disciples at times when he was preaching certain things were going, this is, this is difficult. And yet he wasn't being difficult. And so that tells me that we can be practicing the way of Jesus, following the ways of God. And yet the world around us will look at what we're doing and say, you're just being difficult. And yet Jesus was able through his life to bring such incredible change and significance to the world around him. And I think that's important to remember as we look at a subject like this. Like this isn't just about how do I handle the issues of my life and how do I deal with these people and kind of get them off my back or whatever. Really, this is about learning how to deal with ourselves so that we can reflect and bring the image of God into this world and how to reflect that also in our relationships with other people so that we can bring on earth into heaven, into the reality of this world. So we can bring change and life and healing and freedom. And maybe that person who's being difficult, maybe we can get to the heart of the matter so that we can help them to not be so difficult in the future. How do we deal with difficult people? What did Jesus do? Well, I've got four points for you this morning. And the first one is the key to everything. And then I've got three observations based on that first point. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. 
All right, the first point is, is, is this. If you're going to deal with difficult people, you, like Jesus, are going to have to come correct. Come correct. We, we see this in the life of Jesus. In every situation he dealt with, he always entered into these situations, and he always had this, this ability to, to correctly navigate those situations because he came correct into every atmosphere he came into. A few years ago, uh, Sarah came to me and she said, hey, we got to get a real ID. And I said, I thought I had a real ID. But she began to inform me that there's this new ID called a real ID that you have to get that's like a new kind of license that's an identification that allows you to travel on planes and get into certain buildings. And so we need to get this taken care of. And she told me that we have to have this done by May of 2023. And so I hear that, and I'm thinking, cool, we got some time. But Sarah hears that, and she thinks, we got to knock this out as soon as possible. So she lets me know, I've got a schedule. We're going in next month to knock this out. So she lets me know. I'm like, okay, so what does this mean? She said, well, we're going to have to go to the DMV. It's at that point I begin to flinch. Because <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I've had some experiences with the DMV. That, you know, you flinch. Why do you flinch? Because you've been hit. Like, I've been hit by the DMV a few times. Had some experiences where I've, I've, I've suffered some blows at the DMV. Been kind of been hit. It's been bad. Been bad. Um, you know, the DMV is interesting. You've you got to go into the DMV with everything right. Like, your mind's got to be right. Like, you've got to be right. I'm going in. It's going to take longer than I thought it was going to take. And I'm going to deal with people that gave up on customer service 20 years ago. <laughs> I don't know what happened to these people, but like there is, there's no heart for like, how may we, how may we serve you, sir? No, no, no. It's like, why are you here? That's how it feels. And I've had some moments. I remember when we lived in Dallas, the Dallas DMV was nuts. And I had heard that if you're going to get your, like renew your license, you have to go there and you have to get there early. You have to show up at like four o'clock in the morning. And when you show up, there's already a line outside. And you, you wait in that line until you can finally get it in the building at like 7 o'clock. And then they let you in the building, and then you wait in the building. Like they, that's just to get inside and get a number. And now you get a number, and then you wait in the building, and then about 8 o'clock, you're finally standing in front of someone. And I've done this and stood in front of that person only to hear them say, you don't have the proper documentation. And I'm four hours into this going, mercy. Have mercy. But they don't care. Nope. Next, and you're just like heartbroken. Like I've had these moments. And so I hear DMV, I flinch a little bit. But she lets me know, hey, I've taken care of everything. It's going to be good. I've got all the paperwork. We're going to go in. We're going to knock this out. And so I, I trust Sarah. So, so we go in. We get our mind right. I'm ready. It's going to take longer than I thought it was going to take. I'm going to deal with people who hate my guts. And I'm going to have the proper paperwork. So this is going to be good. So we go in. And, and because I've got my mind right, because I come correct into the environment, we come correct into this environment, we navigate that environment. And we're able to handle it. And we're able to breeze through it. Now, I tell you that because I was thinking about it. The world we live in is kind of like the DMV. Right? Like the world... It doesn't have the greatest customer service in the world. I don't know if you notice this. The world ain't exactly looking to serve you. The world's looking to serve itself. And so we, we got to have a mentality that understands that. And the world is looking at you and examining. And if you ain't coming correct into this world, there's going to be a lot of bad stuff that takes place in your life. You're going to face some difficult people. And if you don't go into that environment ready, you're going to leave angry. You're going to leave upset. You're going to leave hurt. It's going to be bad. 
And so we look at the life of Jesus and we see something in his life that I believe was one of the keys to him being able to go into every circumstance he went into with all the different, d- different kinds of difficult people he faced and navigate it with this, this, this love and this peace and this joy and this heart that brought change into those environments. Look at this, Luke chapter 5 or 16. It says, Jesus himself would often, everybody say often. often. Say it like you mean it, often. often. He would often slip away. Somebody say slip away. He would often slip away to the wilderness. The wilderness just means he would go to a place of isolation. He left everybody else. He would slip away to the wilderness and he would pray. He would communicate with God. Now, why did he do this? Here's why. Because the world will suck the life out of you. And, and think about, I don't think we always like recognize, like think about Jesus. He's dealing with people around him all the time that are just constantly looking to find fault with what he's doing. Examining everything he says, every action he does. These, the Pharisees, they were just, they're trying to trip him up, trying to trick him. Like everything he does. Like, why, why are you guys messing with that weed over there? What are you doing? Why did you, you, you know it's the Sabbath. Like you prayed for that guy. Why did you heal that guy on the Sabbath? Why, like all the time, like imagine someone following you around and just, examining everything that you do and trying to trip you up all the time. Like this would be difficult. And yet we see Jesus navigating this and being able to handle it. Why? Because I believe it was because of what he did. He would slip away and connect with God and allow God to breathe life into him. See, that's, that's the point of this whole idea of slipping away is that you slip away so that you can connect with God because you know what happens when you slip away to connect with God? You know what you get? You get God. So my question to you is, do you have slip away time built into your life? Do you, like Jesus, often slip away so that you can connect with God through his word, through worship, so that you can get your documentation right, so that you can get your mind right, so you can get your heart right, so you can go into the world surrounded by all these difficult people, including yourself, and and do it in such a way that you actually bring change and life and healing and freedom into the environment you go into. Are you slipping away to be with the Lord like you should? I believe this was the key to why Jesus was able to do so many of the things that he did, because he was slipping away. You say, whoa, 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 Pastor Josh, Jesus was different though. He was the son of God. Like he was able to do that stuff because he was God's son. Well, actually, if that's what you think, you're not, you don't really understand exactly what Jesus did when he came here to this earth. See, he became both God and man. And, and, and many things that made him God, he actually put those things on pause. He paused certain aspects of his divinity, of his deity, so that he could, as, uh, so he could function in this world just like me and you function in this world. Because if he doesn't do that, we can't look at the life of Jesus and say, let's practice his way. Because if everything he's doing is just based on the fact that he's God, guess what? You ain't God. So you can't do it. But we're told to follow after him and mimic his ways. Why? Because it's possible. So so here's what Jesus did. Stuff like uh, Jesus, you know, before he came to this earth, he was all-knowing. He knew everything. But he, when he came to this world, he laid that stuff down. The Bible tells us stuff like he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How does he grow in wisdom? You can't grow in wisdom if you know everything already. You know that? So in order for, for him to grow in wisdom, that tells us that that part of his life, he laid down and he chose to grow in his understanding and his knowledge, just like me and you do. Another aspect that made God divine is that he could be everywhere at once. 
He could be anywhere. He could be here on the earth and, and, and at the farthest realm of the galaxy, all at the same time, omnipresent. And yet he laid that down and became confined to one human body, one place at one time. And then Jesus, when he functioned and operated in this world, the other thing that makes him God is that he was omnipotent. He had all this power, all powerful. And yet he laid that down when he was here on this earth. You say, well, Pastor Josh, he's doing miracles. He's healing people. Yes, and you know how he's doing it? He's doing it the same way he's invited us to do it. It was by the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit that he did everything he did. Why? So that we could look at his life and say, it's possible. Now, he did it at the highest level because he had the, the, the spirit without measure because he was perfect and sinless. But we still can look at his life and say, okay, I can, I can go to this greater level of where I find myself currently. And there are great things I can do in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the wisdom of God. But one of the keys to him being able to do this was he would slip away and connect with God. And get refilled with the wisdom of God, with the direction of God. He'd get the will of God for his life. He'd get infilled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could go out and do what he was calling to do. So let me, let me make a statement to you. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's got to be good enough for us. If Jesus needed that, of course, me and you need this. we got to come correct. Listen, we're going into an environment, into a world that's difficult. There's difficult people all around us. And if we're going to bring the kind of change, the kind of God change into the environments that we find ourselves in, we're going to have to slip away, connect with God, so we can come correct into each and every one of those environments. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's point number two. What do we see in the life of Jesus? The second thing we see is that when Jesus was dealing with people, he refused to get offended. He refused to get offended. If you're going to deal with the difficult people in your life, you're going to have to make a choice and a decision, and again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to refuse to be offended. Again, think about all these people around Jesus, trying to test him, trying to trip him up. Like you, you think about, if you're living that way, it would be easy to get offended by that, bothered by that. How dare these people? Don't they know who I am? Like there's several moments, like I think of like Pilate, talking to Jesus and being like, don't you know the kind of power I have? Like Pilate, talking to the Son of God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet we see over and over again in these different stories, like Jesus doesn't get offended. You don't see him taking an offense. There, there's a story in Matthew chapter 11. It's pretty interesting. Jesus has this encounter with some of John the Baptist's disciples. They come to him. And at this point, Jesus is full on doing ministry. I mean, he is full on in it. Like people are being healed. People are being raised from the dead. Blind eyes are being opened. I mean, it's, it's, it's Jesus at his best teaching, preaching, bringing revelation. John's disciples come to Jesus. Matthew 11 verse two, it says this. When John had heard in prison, where was he? He was in prison about the works of Christ. So he heard about these things that Jesus is doing. He's hearing about his teaching. He's hearing about the miracles. He sent two of his disciples and said to him, so these guys are asking a question of Jesus on behalf of John the Baptist. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now hold up. Because if memory serves me correctly, it wasn't that long ago that John was the guy who is confirming, John the Baptist is the guy that is confirming this is 
the Messiah. Behold, the Lamb of God, he says, as Jesus is walking to get baptized. Behold, the Lamb of God. Saying to everybody, hey, look, it's the Lamb of God who came to take away our sins. He's making that statement. In verse 34 of that same chapter, John 1, 34, he says, and I have seen and have borne witness that this, talking about Jesus, is the Son of God. So not that long ago, John the Baptist is like team Jesus. Like he's got the jersey on, face paint, Jesus, like he's in, right? That's the Messiah, that's the guy. And yet here, just a little bit after this, he's saying, are, are you the one? And what's changed? Well, in the life of Jesus, all that's changed is Jesus has confirmed that more by doing these incredible miracles. So what's changed? Here's what's changed. John's location. John's in prison. John's hurt. And because John's hurt, he becomes offended because this isn't going the way he wanted it to. Jesus isn't doing what he wanted Jesus to do, and so he takes up an offense. But what does Jesus say? Matthew 11, verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, to his disciples, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now look at this, verse 6. And blessed is he who's not offended because of me. He lets us in on what's going on. John's offended. But notice Jesus isn't. Like Jesus, it doesn't say anything that Jesus, when these guys come, Jesus is like, hold up. <laughs> Who does John think he is sending his little guys to come over here and like, sorry you're in prison, dude, but come on. Like, I, what have I done to you to make you question me like this? You don't see that in the life of Jesus. And with all these encounters he has, with all these different people, people questioning him, people doing dumb stuff, you see in Jesus this, this character trait that is so important to us as Christ's followers. Here's what I see in the life of Jesus. Jesus had a tough hide and a soft heart. And that's a great prayer for you to be praying for yourself. I encourage you to write that down. You're taking notes this morning. God, give me a soft heart and a tough, and a tough hide. Give me the ability to be soft and tender to the things of this world, to the issues of this world, to the problems of this world, to the, to the people that are bound and in sin. Give me a tender heart towards them. But God, give me a, a tough hide. Lord, help me to not be easily offended. Help me to be unoffendable. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be that. So one of the things the Holy Spirit wants to help you do is to have this ability to look beyond people's behavior to the heart issue that's leading to the behavior. Every, every behavior that you, that you deal with in your life, especially negative behavior, is rooted in some kind of heart issue. You, you've heard us say before here at New Song Church, hurt people hurt people. People that are hurting hurt others. People that are offended tend to be offensive and what the Holy Spirit wants to do is He wants to help you and give you a heart that begins to see beyond the issue of the behavior to what may be going in the heart of the person. Why? So you can bring change to it. Because if you can't be, look past the behavior, you're going to have a hard time ministering to that person. But if you can see the heart behind the behavior, you can pray for them, you can love them, you can serve them. You can, you can reflect the fruit of the Spirit in their life when you are seeing beyond the behavior to the issue. Uh, a few years ago, I was in California. I was at a conference uh, at a church, and uh, I was on my way to the conference in the morning, and I was sitting at a red light. And I was sitting there at the red light, and I wasn't doing what some of you people do. You sit at a red light, and you get out your phone, 
you start looking at your phone, and then the light turns green, and you ain't paying attention, so I got to honk at you. Like, hey, hey, go. Get, right? You've been there. I wasn't doing that, though. I wasn't. I was, I was paying attention. I was looking at the light, waiting for it to turn green. And the light turns green, and so I start going through the light, you know? And I, did, I didn't hesitate. I, I just I started going. And the guy behind me just starts freaking out. Like a horn is honking. I look in my rearview mirror and this guy's like back there, like <laughs> freaking out. And I'm just like, what is this guy's problem? I start going to get onto the, to the ramp. And as I'm getting on the ramp, like the guy pulls up on the side of the ramp by me. And he's looking at me and he's speaking in tongues or something. <laughs> and he, he lets me know, like I'm number one. He lets me know. And he just goes flying past me. And I'm just like, what's that guy's problem? And, I'm, and listen, I'm a human being, people. A human being. I got a flesh just like everybody else. In that moment, my flesh began to rise up a little bit. What is the matter with that jerk, right? But you know what? Something else began to rise up in me. Because that morning, before all this happened, I slipped away. And I spent some time with the Lord. And I prayed, and I had some worship, and I, I read the Word, and I spent some time with the Lord. And so after I, my flesh rises up a little bit, this other thing rises up in me. It's the Spirit of God. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And He says, I wonder what's going on with that guy that would lead him to act like that. And all of a sudden, I begin to start thinking all these thoughts. Like, man, I wonder. I thought, I wonder if that guy was sitting in a hospital bed last night watching somebody that he loves slip away, holding the hand of his wife who's dying of cancer. I wonder if that guy is under some amazing stress financially right now. Maybe right now he's, he's on his way to a job interview, and maybe he's late, and maybe he's, he's, he needs this job so bad. Like I, I just began to think of these different things, and, and it was funny because there was this peace that came over me that enabled me to, to not just be like, man, that guy's a jerk, you know, Good riddance. Like, instead of that, I started going, Lord, would you minister to that guy? Or I don't know what he's facing, but I, I just pray that you bring peace to his heart. I pray that if he doesn't know you, and I'm guessing he doesn't, that you would help him to know your love for him. You say, Pastor Josh, you're awesome. Listen, I don't do that all the time. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not trying to make myself look super impressive because that was that one time. <laughs> I don't always get it right. But that day I did, and it wasn't because it because I came correct. You tracking? Because I had connected with the Holy Spirit, because I had connected with God, I was able to come into that situation with a difficult person and navigate it with God leading the way and actually bring change to it. I believe, I don't know what happened with that guy's life, but I prayed for him that day, and I believe prayer works. So I, I don't know what, what happened, but, but that's what God's inviting us to, something significant, making a difference in these situations. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. Jesus said he's going to send you a helper. And that's what he wants to do, he wants to help you in these situations. A few years ago, uh, we had a girl that was on our team at New Song Church, and she'd been a part of the church since we planted the church. And man, when we first started the church, this girl was awesome. Like everybody loved her. She was a really great leader, up and comer, just, just knocking it out of the park. Uh, but then there was a few situations where she kind of dropped the ball on some stuff. And so we had to go talk to her. And it was like, after we started talking to her, things just started going downhill. 
And every time we'd have to address anything, things would just get worse and worse and worse. And finally, we started hearing like she's talking about Sarah and I behind our back. She's stirring up discord to the point that like we've got to have a meeting. We've got to deal with this. And so it was the day before the meeting. I was laying in my bed that night, kind of getting ready to go to bed. And I was just thinking about the situation. I actually was praying over the situation. And I was thinking in my head, like, what, what happened to her? What happened? She was so awesome. Like, what happened? And as I'm praying, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, why don't you ask me? So I said, okay. What happened, Holy Spirit? And he told me. And so the next day, we go into this meeting. And it's me and Sarah and her. And we start talking and we start kind of, you know, letting her know about the issues that we're dealing with and what's happened. And then I said, before we go any further, though, I I was praying last night for you and asking the Holy Spirit what's going on. And he told me what's going on. And I was wondering if you'd be okay with me sharing that with you. And she looked at me like, oh, you think you got me figured out? We'll see. She's like, yeah, I guess. And so I let her know. I said, you know what God showed me is that when you were young, there were people in your life that you trusted that let you down. And they rejected you. And because of that rejection, because it kept happening, you began to start rejecting people before they could reject you. And there's a cycle that's taken place now where when you start to sense that maybe you're being rejected, you begin to reject. And then out of your rejection of others, you see more of that from people. They do then begin to reject you because you're rejecting them. And it creates this cycle that is going to plague you until you learn how to navigate this with the help of the Holy Spirit. And as I'm telling her this, her eyes start welling up with tears. And she looks at me and she says, you're absolutely right. I had no idea. Now, I could have gone in that meeting and just been like, you know what? You're the worst. What's your problem? You're gone. Like, we're done with you. And that wouldn't have helped her. It wouldn't have helped me. It would have probably caused this thing people talk about called church hurt. But instead, because I went into that environment with a difficult person, they're being difficult, but I went in that environment led by the Holy Spirit coming correct into that environment, God was able to use me to minister to this person, to help them, to speak something into their life that can bring freedom and help and direction to them. Are you, are you with me this morning? Is this helping you? God can give you a soft heart and a tough eye to be able to not just get offended, not just when people do the wrong stuff, just get mad at them and upset, but to actually navigate it in a way where healing can take place. Here's the third thing. I gotta hurry up. I'm running out of time. Third thing we see in the life of Jesus is that Jesus always took the high road. Jesus always took the high road. Jesus was not a mudslinger. Jesus was not like... In fact, one of the things you'll notice about the life of Jesus is Jesus didn't argue with people. You know why? Because the Bible has a lot to say about not arguing with people. He was submitted to the Word of God. And the Bible says it's foolish to argue with foolish people. So he didn't do it. He didn't do it. If Jesus did come across somebody that was being unreasonable, um, a lot of times he would, if he said anything, and sometimes he didn't, sometimes when he was dealing with someone being unreasonable, he wouldn't even talk to him. He just kept silent. But if he did say something, a lot of times he would ask a question that would be so profound and so cutting to the heart of the issue at hand that it would shut them up and get them thinking, like mic dropping questions that Jesus could drop on people, or he would quote scripture. In fact, remember last week we talked about temptation? Jesus is dealing with Satan. Satan comes to him with temptation. What is, what is Satan doing? He's bringing an argument against God to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? You don't see him arguing. All he says is, it is written. It is written. See, sometimes we think that when we're dealing with difficult people, if we can just get our point across to them, if I can just logically 
explain this to them in a way where they can just, then the light will come on and they'll look at me and they'll say, you know what? I was wrong. You nailed it. Thank you. I'm going to change everything. I don't even know you, but you, you tagged me in that post and man, I'm a different person. How many of you know? It doesn't work that way. You know why? Because a lot of the times the difficult people that we're dealing with, when you're dealing with difficult behaviors, difficult actions, they didn't logically arrive at that place they find themselves. They arrived at these places because of hurts, because of emotions, because of experiences. And so we're trying to talk them out of something they didn't talk themselves into. They had experiences which have led them to now logically, based on their experiences, believe something. And so you just talking to them about it, it's, it's not going to help. So what do we do? Here's what we do. Romans 12 talks about what we need to do. It says this, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Let me remind you as I, as I read this, this is the Bible, okay? It's not my opinion. May not agree with your opinion, but it's the Word of God. And it's good, Right? Bless those. You know what that means? Pray for those. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse those who persecute you. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. In front of, in the eyes of who? In the eyes of who? Everyone. Is God a part of everyone? Yeah, he is. In the eyes of God, in the eyes of everyone. Look at this. If it is possible, notice that if. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now listen, it's not always possible because some people won't allow you to. But as far as it depends on you, you're going to do everything you can on your end of this, on your, your side of the table to walk in peace with everyone. It may not always be possible, but you're going to do your best. Verse, 18, verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, we take the high road. Instead of just doing back to them something they're doing to us, we, we pray for them. We serve them. We love them. We, 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 we do these godly things. And when we do that, look at verse 21. Do not let evil conquer you. Because when we do that other stuff, we're letting evil conquer us. But conquer evil by doing good. When you do this, see, here's what you do. You make room for the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do. Because you may not be able to logically talk them out of their thing or, or be able to talk sense into a person who's being unreasonable. But if you'll just serve and love and do the things God invites you to do, now you make room for the Holy Spirit to begin to come and to draw them to conviction to minister to them in moments where they can receive. Draw them to the heart of God. Draw them to the love of God. So we always take the high road. We look for the road that's maybe less traveled, but it's the road that Jesus would take. Somebody say, that's good. And here's number four, is we forgive before they apologize. What did Jesus do? He forgave before they apologized. You say, well, I get it, Pastor Josh. I know I'm supposed to forgive people. And I will. I'm going to forgive them just as soon as they say they're sorry. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. What if they never do? 
Like some of you need to come to terms with something. There's some people in your life who have hurt you and they will never say they're sorry. And if you have this attitude that says, as soon as they say they're sorry, as soon as they apologize, then I'll forgive them of this hurt. Guess what? You're holding on to the hurt in the meantime and it ain't hurting them. The old saying goes, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. Don't work that way, right? So, so we forgive others before they apologize. This is what Jesus did. Remember Jesus hanging on the cross. He's naked. He's been beaten. He's been betrayed, spit on, punched, chunks of beard ripped out of his face, abused, hanging by nails that have been driven through his hands and feet, gasping for air, suffocating. From that place, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Now, notice, no one in that verse is going, I think we blew it. Forget, would you forgive us, Jesus? We messed up here. This is our bad. Sorry, we're sorry. It's not there. He says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Two things to pay attention. One, he forgave before anyone apologized. Two, he recognized something you need to recognize. Some of them, many of them, don't know what they're doing. A lot of these people in the world around us that are difficult, they're difficult because things are difficult for them. They're in darkness, they're blind, and they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how it's affecting the world around them. The, the truth is something that they, they can't really navigate anymore. Some of them have denied Jesus, the truth of the gospel, and so common truth is being taken from them. They don't, see, they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. We as Christians, we, we have access to truth. We have access to see the truth. So we look at this and go, what's wrong with you? But they, they can't see that. But, but what God wants us to do is he wants us to turn to him and, and to forgive through the power of the Spirit of God in us with Jesus. You see, I know there's probably some of you in here and you go, yeah, Pastor Josh, that's real good for you. You don't know what I've faced, though. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's been done to me. And you're right, I, I don't. I probably cannot relate to many issues that are in this room. But Jesus can. And if you'll turn to Him in your pain and your hurt, if you'll turn to Him with your unforgiveness and say, Lord, help me with this, what did we say last week? He's our very present help in the time of need. He wants to come and he wants to help you. He wants to help you forgive. And if you think about it, at the heart of the gospel message that we believe in, at the heart of it, at the foundation of it, is this idea that we forgive people who don't deserve it. Isn't that what Jesus did? What did he do? He forgave us when we were at our worst. While we were yet sinners at our worst, Christ died for us there. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's what he did for us, shouldn't we, as his people practicing his way, shouldn't we have that same kind of heart? I think so. But, but what you have to help you is you've got Jesus to help you. Jesus to help you to forgive, to forgive pains, to forgive those hurts, and to move past them even now, before that person ever says they're sorry. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. 
If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.